from the Virtual Summit, the Core presents Sales Training Bootcamp with Kendra Cook. Today's topic, Profit and Loss for Realtors. All right. Welcome to your second breakout of Friday. This is my absolute favorite class to teach because this is the form that changed my life. And when I say changed my life, that means I was able to go home at night and change my life at home and change my life in my business. And really what I do with this form is I say, uh, this is the same form uh, that we give to our clients, basically, and I call it the freakout form. You guys know what the freakout form is for our clients? The truth in lending, right? And so this is our truth in lending. What is it really costing us to run our business? How much money are we really taking home? And what is our true taxable income? So a couple things I love to point out when I start this class. Number one is, how do you know if you're making any money if you're not doing a P&L? So there are 70 plus of you in this room right now. I can only see a handful of you. But raise your hand if you don't do a P&L. If you don't do a P&L currently, raise your hand. Okay, so all of our students do them. All of our newbies primarily don't. Okay, so this is going to be a great day for us to work on this. Um, the second thing is you need to understand something right now. Write this on your paper. GCI, GCI is crap. It doesn't mean anything, okay? So we have to stop saying, oh, I made a half million dollars. No, you didn't. You made a half million dollars GCI. That's not what you took home, and that's not what you're paying taxes on, okay? So let's remember that our gross commission is not our taxable income. When we talk about numbers in the court, especially for those of you that are new and have not heard this talk before, when we talk about numbers, people making a million dollars, that is our taxable income, folks. That is not GCI. We don't fluff our numbers. Everything's out in the open. So if you're new, and most of you on here are, and you come along with us on this journey, your life is pretty much on display, okay? The people that you're on a call with, they see your numbers. The people you're on a call with are going to know if you're broke. The people on your call are going to know how many leads you're generating. So if you sit around and say, I'm a private person and I don't want to share, we are not the program for you. If you haven't noticed, we are constantly getting better, and Rick has absolutely no problem about calling any of us out about our numbers or the lack thereof. So this form is where the rubber really meets the road. If you really want to change your business and you want to run it like a business, this is the form to do it. So what I want to do today is I want to walk you through the form. So we're going to go to page 229 in your book, and I've done a sample P&L. And the best way for me to explain this form is to walk you through one that is completely finished and give you some nuggets about it, okay? So I want you to write all over this form. Anything that you want to write on about the, the tips I give you, the percentages I'm going to share, write them right on the form, okay? And then there's a blank one, the page before here, which is 228, that one you can make copies of, but also the person who brought you to the core or your concierge can obviously email you one. Now, the first question most of you are going to say to me is, does the form have an auto-populator? The answer for you is no. You're going to learn to do this form with a pencil and a calculator. It is painful, okay? Move, it, move past it. No pain, no gain, all right? Until you learn your numbers and you see where you are, it is very hard to change, Okay? Change is not fun for anyone, but we all grow through the change. The change creates some pain, and then we grow. You should write that down. Change will create some pain. And from the pain, you will grow. 
So from now on, you will know if you can afford to go buy a computer. You will know if you have money to write a check for charity. Wow, let's just stop there for a second. How many of you were blown away by the charity event this morning, right? Oh, my gosh. If that didn't move you to tears, and then, you know, Lindsay and I had to get up here, and we're both like, okay, I'm glad I watched it beforehand, but it still got to my heart. Because, listen, that's why we work, is to change the planet. And sometimes the planet is in our backyard. Maybe you have an ill family member. Maybe you have a wayward child, as we talked about in Bible study this week. You're, you're still giving to the planet, right? So we have to work and have money to change the world, all right? So we're going to walk through this form. Um, and I don't, I am not going to, when I say raise your hand, that's not to call anybody out. It's just to see who my audience is. I want to make sure that I'm taking care of you. Now, here's the greatest thing about this class. I'm the only presenter, so there's plenty of time for Q&A at the end. Okay, I like to do the class by myself because this form will create some questions. It will create some anxiety for you, and you're going to have some questions. So I want you to go ahead and post those in the chat as they come up, and I will get to them at the end. My goal is to have about 20 minutes, um, if not more, at the end, depending on how fast we can get through the form to answer your questions. So um, I want to go back and start at the very top. Okay, This will be hard for you to get a perfect reading on because we're in November. But if you practice with your November numbers and you practice with your December numbers, by the time we get to January, you're going to be ready to rock. Okay? So it starts with the month at the very top. We do the profit and loss after the end of the month. Now, let that soak in for a second. If I was doing your P&L right now with you, we would be doing November because we just finished October. We know all of our income that came in in October and we know all of our expenses that we paid out in October. That's how you reconcile a P&L, okay? So we would be doing this for November 1st, 2nd, or whatever, after your commission checks come in from your October close. all right? All right, now the goal is to hold all of your checks, deposit them at the end of the month or the first of the month when you get ready to do this for the next month. So the, the P&L runs one month behind your personal budget. Did all of you take the personal budget class with Rick, the newbies? Okay, great. So you learn from him that we hold our checks and we only deposit them at the first of the month to pay our personal bill. Now let me remind you, the personal budget is personal money. That's where the profit goes. This is business money. Now, the fastest way to get audited and the most uncomfortable way of your life is to have an IRS person sitting in front of you auditing your books and not have two separate accounts. We don't commingle money, okay? So all of your commission checks from your broker goes into the business account. All of your profit checks, after we reconcile this, will go to your personal account for your personal budget. So no personal money here. We're not talking about personal money. We're talking strictly Real estate commissions coming in. All right, so let's jump in. So at the top, you've got the month. So we put the month and the year. Very easy. Now, you're going to notice that this form is really simple. Everything on the left, where it says Section 1, this is expenses. Everything on the left-hand column is the expenses that you spent. In this case, if we're talking about doing one for November, would be in October. Okay? So everything that you wrote checks for in October for an expense would be on the left-hand side of this. Now, we break it up into four categories, so let's talk about those. You'll see the top is office expenses. This is an expense that happens every single month. This is a reoccurring expense, 
Not necessarily the exact same number every single month, but the exact same expense. So we're talking about cell phone bills. We're talking about rent. We're talking about postage. We're talking about printing. Anything that happens every month goes in that first section, and then we subtotal it. Now, here's the big eye-opener for me when I got in the core. First of all, I didn't do a P&L, and if I had checks, I thought I had money. So everything that you can tell me you've done wrong, I can one-up you. I, my money was a mess, okay? But what I realized was my expenses were crazy, and you're going to hear that story in a few minutes. But you break this down in subcategories, and then you manage it by percentages. So I want you to write for Section 1 out in the left-hand column there, you want to maintain between 7 and 10%. That subtotal number should be between 7 and 10% of your gross income on the right side, which we're going to talk about in a minute. So just put 7 to 10% of income. Okay? All right. Now, the next section is wages. Let's talk about wages for a moment. If you have an RP1 for the new folks in the house, those are our unlicensed real estate assistants. So those could be a administrative assistant, a listing coordinator, a transaction coordinator. 99% of the time they're unlicensed, but they're salaried, okay? So their salary would go here. Um, the other thing that I want to point out to you, if you're not taking a salary in your business right now, you should. When you really want to learn to run your business like a business, you will start taking a salary. It will help you budget your personal money at home. It will teach you how to live on a budget there. But also, I'll show you where that's going to be a factor in a little bit further down in the form. Okay? So any wages that you pay are going to go under that subsection 2, wages. Now, wages should be your biggest expense on your P&L. 35%, 30 to 35% is going to be your wages. Okay? It's a big number. So now you can see how you got to keep everything else in check. We can't pay people to do every single thing uh, willy-nilly with our money because you won't have enough to pay your wages. So if you're understaffed right now, it's probably because your budget's out of whack because you don't know how you would pay them. So you might be buying leads. So your top section may be out of whack. Therefore, you can't hire somebody. And you get to do all the work. Isn't that wonderful? No, not so much. So wages, we're going to keep between 30 and 35%. All right? The next section in there is miscellaneous. Miscellaneous is anything that is non-reoccurring but happens sporadically, okay? So if this morning um, you decided to donate some charity on your charity money, on your business credit card, that doesn't happen every month, so that would go in your miscellaneous part of your P&L next month when you itemize your credit card statement, okay? Let's say you buy a premier listing sign. Let's say you have a client party once a quarter. Those fees go in that miscellaneous for a reason, because they're not reoccurring every month, okay? Now, we want that percentage to stay between 3 and 5%. 3 and 5%, okay? Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. You're going to say, well, at Christmas, I send everybody a gift, and that amount's going to jack up. Well, that means it's going to jack up for a month, but it can't be jacked up every single month because you're not going to hit that 3 to 5 average, okay? All right. The last one down there is personal expenses. A lot of questions that come up around personal expenses are this. Um, well, I want to have my, my uh, company pay all this money for me, and I won't take a biggest salary. It's not how we roll in the core. Okay? Your personal expenses, you pay with personal money. Your business expenses, you pay with business money. So what would be a personal expense you would log here? When I had my real estate company, my company paid my health insurance for myself, my husband, and my child. 
So every month, the company paid health insurance for the Cook family, about $1,800, and that was the personal expense that was there. So that was a benefit I had for owning my brokerage. Okay? That's not, well, I'll buy a car in my name and the company will pay for it. If the company buys the car, fine. But if it's a reoccurring expense every month, it goes in the top, not in the bottom. Okay? So personal money, it doesn't have anything to do with what you're writing off on your taxes. It's what is the company paying on your behalf from a personal standpoint versus a business standpoint. There's a misconception there. Okay? So now we have four subtotals. That bottom personal number should be 3 to 5% as well. Okay? So we total up the four subtotals, and we have the grand total. That's what it costs to be Tim Duncan, Inc. It's a lot of money to run a shop. It's not cheap, right? So the total expenses on the left. Now we're going to go to the right. All right? Section two at the top. This is any income that is generated for the team or the company without your sales skills being involved. That's the easiest way I can say it. It's not your deal. I'm not saying you didn't generate the lead. I'm saying you didn't work the lead. So these are buyer's agents deals. This could be a referral fee. If you charge a transaction fee, that's the income that goes in Section 2. So Section 2 is not your production. It's any other money that came into the company that you deposited. Okay? So now we know what our extra income was. Now we're going to the box below that. Section 3 is your income. Now, if you're new to the core, we use this form kind of hand-in-hand with our pay log. So that's another form that you would be using to track your actual closings. That's where we take the GCI and then we get it down to your net, and that net number should be pretty close to what's on your P&L every month. Now, we know a deal falls out here and there, but I don't want to see 15 closings on your pay log, and then you send me your P&L and you got six. Somebody's fudging some funny money, okay? So I want the Section 3 to primarily match very closely, your pay law. Okay? All right. So now we have to reconcile. Section 4 is where we reconcile everything. So what does that look like? You are going to take the income total from Section 2. You are going to bring that down with the income from Section 3 total, and we're going to total it. Now, a lot of you stop right there and go, oh, my gosh, look how much money I make. Well, guess what? You ain't made a dime yet. Okay? Because now we get to take the expenses out. So now we're going to go over to Section 1, take that total expenses, and plug it in to our Section 1 expenses. And we're going to subtract it. And now we have taxable income. And you go, woohoo, we're going on vacation. I'm buying a new car. Well, guess what? That still ain't your money. Because you hadn't paid Uncle Sam. Now we got to pay Uncle Sam. Now that's your taxable number. That's not your take-home number, okay? So your taxable number, then we get to pay Uncle Sam. Now, a lot of people get sideways because a lot of our forms say 25 or 30%. Listen, correct the form to fit the tax bracket that you're in. All of us are in different tax brackets, okay? Sometimes we got people in 25%. Some people we got people in 40 It doesn't matter. Just because the form's printed that way, you fix it to fix your tax bracket. If you don't know what you pay, We'll call to your CPA, get it fixed, and then you do your forms according to your income. Okay? Now we got to take that money out from Uncle Sam, 
And what's really left is how much money you get to take home to your personal budget. How many of you just kind of freaked out when we went through that? Anybody freak out a little bit? No? Okay, good. All right, nobody's fell out of their chair yet. All right, that's awesome. All right, so now we have our after-tax money. Now we've got to reconcile the bottom of the form. The bottom of the form is the hardest part. So follow me. You're going to have some questions, but we'll get through it. Okay? So the top line says um, company float balance. What is the company float balance? All right. The company float balance is this. One month of your Section 1 expenses, including your salary. Okay? I want Section 1 expenses plus for one month, plus one month of your salary to remain in your company float balance at all times. Now, let me explain why, okay? God forbid something happened to you. Most of us, if we leave our business, the business is closed, right? Most of us are in charge of our income, okay? So we want there to be enough money in there. If something happened to us and we couldn't work, we could still settle our bills for the month and take the money that we need to our personal budget to take care of our family, okay? One month. Now, if you went to the P&L, I'm sorry, the personal budget class yesterday, the money class, Rick probably talked about three months of your survival number. That's your personal money. We want to take care of the family for three months. We got to keep the, the company going for a minimum of a month after something happens, okay? So, if you don't have one month of your Section 1 plus a salary for you in your account, that is your first homework assignment when you go home. You have to build that up, especially if you have employees because they're relying on you to get paid. And one bad month cannot allow you to not pay your employees. If you're going to have a bad month, you got to take care of them, and then you may have to send them on their way. But you can't leave them high and dry. It's not good business ethics, and it's not morally right. Okay? So that's what your company float balance is. One month of all your Section 1 income and a salary for yourself. All right? The one next to it says salary. That is your salary. If you take a salary... In Section 1, Category 2 over there on the left, and it says Kendra Cook took $5,000, then $5,000 would go in that salary box. It's my salary. Okay? Not everybody's salary, just my salary. Okay? Next to that is taxable income. It's really easy. You just go right up there to Section 4. You take your taxable income, which in this scenario is the $24,650, and we brought it straight down. All right? Go back to the left side. And it says tax balance. Super important. I'm not going to ask anybody if they're behind on their taxes. I want you guys to know two things about our industry that I'm not proud of any of them, so we're changing it. This is why I chose to move to North Carolina and give up my real estate career. I will change the real estate division one person at a time. Number one thing that you should know about real estate agents, we're the number one industry behind with our taxes with the IRS. Does anybody like that badge of honor? No. I don't want to wear that. The second one is we have the third highest divorce rate. You know the highest reason people get divorced? Money. Okay? Let's not fool ourselves to believe that we're the one that that's not going to happen to if we're not taking precautionaries to keep ourselves out of hot water. Okay? This tax account forever changed the way I did business and forever, never, ever, ever let me be behind on my taxes again. Changed my world. Okay, 
So let me explain to you what the tax account is. Number two homework assignment. Number one is you got to get your cash up. Just make sure you cover all your expenses for one month. Second thing is you're going to go to the bank when you get home. If you don't have a separate account somewhere that you stash your tax cash in, so when your taxes are due that you pay them, you're going to go home and do that. Okay? Take a fifty take fifty dollars. Go open a savings account that says tax savings account. Open it with fifty dollars. Okay? Every time you do your P&L, whatever it tells you that you own Uncle Sam, you physically get that money out of your business checking account and put it in the tax savings account. Okay? If you want to move it online, go for it. I know when I got in the core, I had to physically write a check, go to the bank, all that. We don't have to do that as much anymore. But get it out of your checking account. Because what will happen is you leave it in there, you will spend it. Something will happen and you will say, I'm just going to spend it now, and my next closing, I'll put it back in there. Now, I'm not telling you this because I heard somebody do it. I'm telling you this because I did it. Guilty, okay? Guilty. Don't let yourself go there. If the money's not in your checking account, you can't see it. You forget that it's over there where it needs to be, in your savings account, okay? So you physically move that check over there. Now, what's going to happen to that box every time you do your P&L is three months in a row, the amount's going to rise because you're moving money over there for those three months. Then on that fourth month, when your quarterly taxes are due, you are going to wipe everything out of that account but your 50 bucks that you opened it with, and you're going to pay your quarterly taxes. And then the next four months, it's going to build up, and then we're going to wipe it out and send it to the IRS. And guess what? It is the most rewarding Humbling thing when the IRS sends you a little thing and says, you paid us $76.33 too much, we'll discredit it. So next year you're like, thank you, Jesus, right? Instead of that bill that says you owe 70000 and you're like, I'll follow an extension. I'll follow an extension. Listen, I'm not trying to be mean to anybody. I'm just telling you the life of a realtor. I lived it for a long time. It's painful. It creates unhealthy marriages. It creates unhealthy bodies, minds. It's not a good place to go. This form will really fix you, but you have to dive into it and commit that you're going to move that money. You know what? We can't take a vacation this year. Now, I have always told this story that I went five years without my family going on a vacation. You know what? We bought into that together. We're a family. We're going to get our taxes caught up. We're going to build our savings accounts up. We're going to pay our credit cards off. Now, I don't say this because I'm bragging. I'm telling you that was 15 years ago this week. And I, you heard Rick say yesterday, I can work two more years and retire and never work another day in my life. So if you're sitting there saying, I could never do that, yes, you can. I promise you, you can. Make sure that you're writing the check or moving that money into the tax account. It will save you. Okay? All right. Dropping down to the next one, cost to acquire. This was something we recently or added to the form because... A lot of times people say, oh, my overhead's really low until they do their P&L, and they realize their overhead isn't really low, especially if you're buying leads, okay? So what the cost to acquire does, and it tells you right on the form how to do it, okay? You're going to take the Section 1 expenses minus your salary. Take your salary out, okay? Then you're going to divide it by the total number of closings. That's going to tell you how much you spend to generate every single deal you close. Now, if your average sales price 
and you work in the average medium house sales price in your marketplace, somewhere between $1,800 and $3,500 is good. Now, our luxury, we see that go way higher, okay? So I see Michael, one of my level two students on here, he's in that luxury market, so his is going to be much higher than that. But for the most of us that don't spend a lot of money and time in that luxury arena, it's going to be average, let's say, two to $3,000, okay? So that way you can measure where you are, all right? The next box to that is personal expenses. It just comes straight down. It's a subcategory, all right? And then the bottom two boxes. Now, follow me through, okay? We're going to start on the right. I know we read left to right, but for a moment, we're going to start on the right. This is your total income. It tells you taxable income from Section 4, so you would grab that Section 4 number, taxable income, add your salary, if we're looking at our scenario here, it was $5,000. So we add those two together, and that brings us to $29,650. Everybody follow me so far? We're on the right-hand bottom box. Now, when you get into coaching, and we're doing rankings, and they come out, the rankings are based on that number. Okay? Level 3 realtors are based on that number for rankings. All right? So in this scenario, we're using this as a January form. So we would take that number, we're moving to the box to the left, and we're going to give you a projection for the next 12 months for the year, okay? If you continue to make that amount of money, or somewhere near it, every single month, you would be on track to make $355,800. Now, the scenario right there tells you how to do it, okay? We're going to take the number on the right, we're going to divide that number by the number of months. So we're in January. We only need to divide it by one, right? If we're in February, divide it by two because we're taking the total income we've been paid and dividing it by the number of months because we're getting the average monthly income. Does everybody follow me on this? Okay. So if we're in May, we would divide the number on the right by five months. Okay. So we're going to take that number, divide it by the number of months, then take it times 12 months. That's going to tell you what you're projected to make this year. It's pretty spot on. Tim, would you agree it's pretty spot on? Yeah, pretty spot on. Okay? So when you use this formula, and as I said, it's going to be hard to do now starting in November and December because you haven't gone back and done all of them. But practice doing one for November, practice doing one for December, and then in January you can start fresh and new. Okay? Now, I want to address one more thing, and then I'm going to open it up. I've got a lot of questions, so I'm excited about that. Let's go back to Section 2, okay? Some of you have 50-50 buyer's agents. That means they take 50% and you get 50%, okay? Now, the number that would go in Section 2, because remember, these are not our deals. Income we're paid that are not our current deals, okay? So, the Whatever you make out of that 50%, what your physical check is. So if you're at a brokerage and 50% comes in and they take 10%, then really you're netting 40% off of that person, right? So the 40% check would be what goes in Section 2. So for those of you that were wondering where your buyer's agent income goes, it goes in Section 2. Now, that number of what you're getting off of that deal should match the number on your pay log. So I don't want to see that you're getting, you know, the team's getting 10000 and you're getting five and you put ten everywhere. That's not accurate, okay? 
I want to know what your take home is on the pay log, and I want to know what your take home is in section two for your P&L. This is where you get your numbers really dialed in. Okay? One more question I will, that I'll address because it may be in here. People always say down at the bottom in the cost to acquire, is it my, just my total deals in level three, or is it the total deals of two and three? It's two and three. It's the total team deals. So if your buyer's agents did two and you did five, the number to get your cost to acquire would be seven. So everybody follow me on that? It's total team deals to get your accurate number for cost to acquire. Okay? All right. So that was a lot of information. Whew. So I'll breathe for a second. I've got some questions. I'm going to answer those really quickly. Then I'm going to come back. We're going to keep going. Okay? Steve Davis wants to know, what if you receive direct deposit? Not sure what you mean by that, but if you're talking about direct deposit checks coming throughout the month, that's fine. Just become disciplined enough that you don't write checks every time the, the check comes in. I was very guilty of that. I thought I was doing the right thing trying to catch up on my bills once I got behind. And so every time a bill came in and I got paid, I would pay it. And what I found was I could never save any money. So as you learned yesterday in, the, in Rick's class, the budget class, if you save all your commissions and you write bills once a month, then you can transfer the excess money into your savings account to save it for building up your survival number or accumulating wealth. Okay, so that's a great question. If I'm a lender, does this still apply specifically um, your profit and loss is a little different, Jeff, in that you guys are paid W-2 and we are paid 1099. So that is the biggest downfall in realtors is a lot of us got into this business coming from another industry where they took our taxes out of our checks, right? So we went from W-2 to 1099. And so when we get into real estate and we're a 1099 employee, we got to figure all this out on our own. Nobody said how expensive it would be to be a realtor, right? They didn't tell us that in school. They just said, oh, get your real estate license. Uh, none of them told us that we weren't going to have to pay income tax. I didn't know I was a 1099 employee until I went all the way through school, and they go, oh, well, you have to pay your own taxes. I'm like, what? So there's a lot of misconceptions in the real estate side and the lending side. So, Jeff, it's probably not specifically exactly the same, um, but as far as the reconciliation of a P&L is very similar. Yes. Um, from Carlton Churchill, please go over the process of how I get ahead with the P&L. Okay. So you don't get ahead of the P&L. You can't do your P&L until you've been paid for everything through October and got all your income from October. Then you reconcile your books because that's when you know you're profitable. Okay? So I take my closings from October, all my closings came in, and all the checks I paid in October with the money that I got from the month before. Remember, I can't pay as things come in. You're going to get all your bills in the one place, and then you're going to settle up once a, once a month. Okay, so all my commissions came in, all my bills were paid in October. So I'm going to sit down and do my P&L based on what I've got to spend this money on and see if I'm profitable to take my profit to my home. Okay, so the budget is for October, all the money I spent in October and all the money I made in October. And then I see if I'm profitable in October and the profit goes to my personal budget to pay my November bills. Now, let me give you a scenario. Most realtors, we get a check from our broker, and we put it in our personal account, and we pay whatever bills we can until the next check comes in. Would you guys agree? That's kind of how we live, right? So what happens is there's never any time for us to accumulate wealth. Like, I brought 20000 from the company. I was profitable 20000 
I only need 10 to spend in my personal bid, but, uh, personal budget, and I've got 10 left. If I took that 10 every month, as Rick told us yesterday with the money accumulation, save $10,000 a month for a year, I saved 120 grand. But what happens is every time the check comes in, you write it out, and there's a couple thousand dollars, and another check comes in, and you pay a few more bills. You never pull anything out to accumulate your wealth. Does that make sense? So this system holds you accountable to pay your bills, take your profits, pay your personal bills, take your money that you save, and put it away. Okay? We're not real disciplined with our money, and this is where we get in trouble. All right? All right, next question from Dave Bowen. Uh, is a salaried showing agent an RP1 and paid in Section 1 wages, company-owned car, is an office expense? Um, the RP1, let's address that first. Absolutely. And a salaried RP1 is a wage. It would go in Section 1 under wages. If they get a salary and a small bonus, whatever you pay them goes under wages. Okay? Only commission division Anything that you divide on a commission side or referral fee or something like that would be in Section 2. So that's a great question. Salary showing agents, yes, under wages. The next question that you asked me there was about a company car. Um, there's, I'm not getting into tax law. It's way above my head. I would just put your CPA. There is something in the tax law, I believe, for a realtor. There are so many tons of a car you can write off. The company can pay for it, but then you can't write off mileage and gas. So I would definitely talk to your um, accountant about which is the best way for you. For me, I always had paid cash for my cars. Um, and so um, I just wrote off the mileage and the gas. So I don't really know about the payment. And I'm just being honest. Okay, so I would check on that. Um, from Christy, I have an S-Corp and I'm paid as an employee. Taxes and other expenses are taken out of each check. How do I show that on this form? So your um, business is still paying your taxes and your expenses, Christy, along with whatever your salary is. So when I said earlier, um, if you take a $5,000 salary draw, um, advancement, whatever you want to call it, I would not take the full 5000 because I have to pay taxes on it, right? But I'm still paying 5000 as the employee. So I show the five, but my take-home might be 3500 and change, which that would show up on my personal budget is 3500 and change, okay? So when you say, how is that shown? The full amount would go under the wages, and you would write yourself a check for the amount or, you know, direct deposit, whatever you do for that amount. But you want to show the gross because true and accurate, the company is paying the taxes, the insurance, the overhead, and all of that. So you want to make sure that you're truly showing the full payment. And then what your check is, the actual, will be shown up on your personal budget. Did that answer your question, Christy? Oh, I don't see her on my screen, but hopefully it did. If it didn't, let me know. Um, okay. Uh, Alex Ortega, what would you do if you don't have income that month? Well, that's when you have to dip right on into that little float account that I told you all about, okay? So what happens is you still have to do your P&L, Alex, okay? So you're still going to have all of your expenses, and you're going to pay all your bills and everything, and they're going to have minuscule little bit of money down there in your float account, but you're still going to have money to pay your personal bills, and you pay all your expenses, okay? The truth of the matter is we don't ever want to blank in a month. So what that tells me is you have the highs of a big month, and then you don't prospect, and then you have the lows, and then you have the highs, and then you have the lows. So in this market, it would be really hard um, not to be able to continuously be generating leads unless you've been off sick or something with COVID. We've had some students that have had some hard times in health, so I understand that. But that's what you would do, Alex, is you would spend the money in that company float account to make sure everybody gets paid. 
Um, you might call some of your vendors and see if you could split the cost up for a couple months, but you have to pay your bills. You don't want to ruin your credit, um, and that's what that float account is for. Okay? Where did company float balance come from? Profits. That's profits you left in the company to build that company float. So if this month you have a $20,000 profit and you have no float account and your expenses are 10, I would leave 10 there and take 10 home. If you can live on 10,000 at home, you've got to get that account built up. Okay? Jimmy Thompson, I own my own brokerage. Do I do a P&L for the brokerage too? Yes, keep them separate. You know that song, Keep It Separated? You know that fun song? Um, yes, yeah, separate that out, okay? I got a smile. Sean's laugh. Thank you, Sean. Um, you, knew, you knew my humor there, right? Uh, so the guys, the crew back there is laughing at me too. I was trying to be funny. I'm usually not very funny. Um, so uh, I would do one for your personal business so you can see how profitable you are as an individual team. And then do your brokerage separate. That's a great question, Sean. Um, you guys, here's what I'm going to tell you. Don't be surprised if you do this form for a couple months and you're like, uh, I do all the work. Uh, I bring all the money in the company. And uh, I give half my leads to my buyer's agent. And they're getting really fat and happy. And I'm not making any money. I told you it's the freak out form. So not only are you going to see how much money you're actually spending, you're going to see how much you're actually making on your team, and you're going to see if that's the road you want to continue down. Okay, so don't be surprised, uh, for those of you that are new that have never done this, that it's not a little bit of a whew, real big eye-opener for you. Okay? Uh, my brokerage reimbursed me on a month of marketing expenses. Do I put that reimbursement check in Section 2? Yes, you do. Great question. Any reimbursements, uh, if you have a um, like an in-house you know, mortgage company or you get a kickback from a warranty company, I don't know what all y'all use all these side businesses, but any of that money would go in section two. Okay? I'm from Lisa. An example, company float is 30K, but section one is 7,800. My salary is 5K. How does that mesh? Okay, so are you talking about the sample here? The sample here is um, it cost them $24,000. We're on page 229. So their overhead is 220, I'm sorry, is $24,150, and that includes their salary. So to keep it cushioned, they wanted to keep $30,000 in there, give or take a few dollars. So it's just marked up a little bit. Keep it even 30 and wipe everything out over 30 every month. That's just what the sample shows you. I just want it to be at least level one. And the other thing is I don't want you all to spend, you know, leave $100,000 in there because you know what happens. Oh, we should all get new computers. I need a new iPad. All these fun things, new gadgets coming out. Somebody asked you to buy a $6,000 slick magazine ad, and you're like, sure, I got the money. You don't got the money. Get it out of there. Okay? Don't leave it in there because we will spend it. Joe's laughing at me. He's probably made all those same mistakes. Right, Joe? Okay. I'm right there with you, fella. Listen, I'm not picking on anybody. I told you these are all my own mistakes. So um, can you do a recap of what accounts we need? I sure can. Um, it's really simple. You've got a business checking account. You have a business savings account. That's where your tax money goes. You have a business credit card. Draw a line, go to the right side. You need a personal checking account. You need a personal savings account. You need a credit card. That's it. That's it. Okay? Um, if you heard Rick's money class yesterday, he normally talked about having the envelope system, living on cash for purchases under 20 bucks. Honest, honest, honest. That's how I got where I am. My husband and I still do it today. So we don't do $200 anymore. We, we've upped it to 1000 bucks. We've come a long way, baby. But we each get 500 bucks, and 
if you ever see us eating dinner, unless it's a really nice restaurant, we split the bill. He'll pull out a 20, I'll pull out a 20. That's how we pay. This is what we do. Ladies, and my nails are done with my cash. Um, I got a lunch here with the gang. I, it's cash. I mean, I still live by that. My credit card, Diana would tell you if she was sitting here, she does my personal budget. I itemize my credit card to the nth degree of the penny and keep it as tight as I can. Now, I pay. I have two households. I still have a household in Nashville. I have a household here. I have elderly parents that I take care of. I got a daughter in the military, and I got a son in college. Everything I do is on a credit card, okay? Uh, run the credit card up, write one check, and then itemize it out on my P&L. Um, sorry, on my personal budget. It makes it easier for me. But when I started, we had $2,500 on a credit card, and we could not spend more than $2,500 a month for anything, and that's how I got out of debt. Cut up all my credit cards when I got here, paid the IRS, uh, got them paid back, and then started accumulating wealth. And it's not fun, and, you know, your family may not like you for a little bit, but if you've never heard my full story of me being super broke when I got there, my husband had no idea. And that was one of the hardest conversations I had to come and tell my husband. We have no money. Our credit cards are maxed out. And, oh, by the way, I want to pay somebody to tell me how to get out of debt. That was a great conversation, right? But it worked. It worked. So maybe the first thing you have to do before you even build up the float account is go home and rip the Band-Aid off and get honest and real with your loved ones and your family and let them know where you are. You know what? We're going to do a staycation this month or this year. I can't afford it. i got to get myself together. we got to sell the Mercedes. Listen, I did it. I, I drove a Hyundai. My son drives a Hyundai. Um, I was the top realtor, realtor of the year, had no money. Everybody thought I was this wonderful, fabulous, all this money in the bank because I was driving a 430S Mercedes. I owed IRS debt. My credit cards were maxed out. I went home. I sold my car. I bought a Hyundai. I drove that thing. It had 230,000 miles on it. I'm not ashamed of that. Put your, put your pride away, people. I said it yesterday. It's a little word with a big problem. It's ego. You want to get out of debt? You suck it up. You go home and you be honest with your family and you tell them where you are. And if you got to downgrade your car, downgrade your car. It's okay. Listen, at the end of the day, you got to have peace. You got to have joy in your life. And if you don't, that's on you. You got to fix that. Okay? And money creates a lot of that for most of us. All right? So, let's see. I got another question. From Chase Baxter, real estate can, of course, be very volatile. Would it be wise to have two months of expenses in your float account rather than one? I don't mind if you have that extra month over in your personal savings account. So let me tell you how that works, okay? Um, we keep one in the business, and all the excess cash goes in our savings account, our personal savings account, okay? Remember, we're going to have three months of savings over there. Now, I will tell you this. All of us have a number. Rick said it yesterday. All of us have a number. Whatever your comfort level is. My number today is way higher than it should be. But I have, as I just said, a lot of moving pieces and parts. I always want to have some cash. God forbid one of our kids needs something. My parents need something. I want to be able to get a hold of cash. So my number is bigger than three months of my survival number. Okay? But that's my comfort level. So if you need to build your personal savings account to six months survival, so it gives you that little warm and fuzzy if you have a bad month, the greatest thing about having money in the savings account, you get to borrow from yourself interest-free versus putting it on a credit card and paying 25, 30, whatever percent your credit card is. Now, listen, I've lived on a credit card, too. I know what that looks like, too. But it is so much better if I have a bad month. Alex asked us earlier, 
What do I do if I blank? Well, wouldn't it have been great if he would have had that money in his savings account? He could have went and got it and just pulled it into the business. Now, the greatest thing is when you have a big month, who do you get to pay back? Yourself at interest-free. This is why we teach you to build savings and reserves. You get to borrow from yourself, and it doesn't cost you any money. Okay? Great question. Can you recap what days we do what what forms? Yes, I can. Um, In coaching... We coach on two forms every two weeks, okay? So your first coaching call of the month would be on your lead tracker and your pay log, okay? And that's going to show us what leads you've generated this far through the month, and it's going to show us all your projected closings for the month on your on your pay log. So we're going to see if you're hitting what we call our dashboard, okay? And then at the end of the month, you're going to send us your profit and loss and your personal budget. So we group the money forms together and the lead and income money together. So, but you're going to do, I'm assuming you're talking about dates as well. So you have to do your P&L and see what money you get to take home at the end of the month before you can do your personal budget for that month. Because you don't know how much money you get to spend personally until you know how much you made in the business. Okay? Uh, Miss Jessica, so paying all bills on one day means we shouldn't do auto pays. Set them all up on the same day. Uh, my assistant, I think, is sitting in the back room. She would tell you pretty much everything I pay is on auto pay. And it's all between the first and the fifth. The only thing I haven't been able to, I've been fighting with Chase to get my credit card. They don't print the same until the eighth. So I have to go online and get my statement and do it. And then when it comes in the mail, um, I keep the, the real statement. But that's the only one. Everything else comes to me and I pay between the first and the fifth. So let's say you have some utility bills that come the 11th or the 15th or whatever. You can contact your electric company, phone company, cell phone company, whatever. I've done it on all of mine. And they'll prorate the bill for whatever month you're in, and then they'll start coming on whatever date you want. So when I moved to North Carolina and bought my house, my bills were all throughout the month drove me crazy, and so I have them all coming between the 1st and the 5th, and all of them are on auto pay. They go to my credit card, and then I just have to automize the credit card. I probably write maybe one, two checks a month if I'm doing a charity, you know, if I write a check for charity and a charity that's not an auto draft for me or whatever. So um, great question. For what example? So for example, I need to use the commission earned in October for my November bills. To do that, I have to wait until the end of the month to deposit all my checks over it. No, no, no. Okay. Let me start that up. Let me get a drink of water. Okay. So Today is November 1st, okay? Today is November 1st. You had five closings in October, and you paid checks throughout the month in October, okay? So we're going to reconcile those closing, five closing checks with all the money we spent in October. So here's all of our bills in Section 1 that we spent in October. You can get out of your check registry or itemize your credit card, however you pay your bills, okay? And then here's my income, Section 2, Section 3. Four October closings, those five closings. Here's how much money I made in October. I made $20,000 profit. Now, I'm going to write myself a check for $20,000, hypothetically. You move it electronically, whatever. But write your check for your, to yourself, your profit, for $20,000. And we take that little $20,000 over here and we put it in our personal budget for November 1st. And now we pay all of our personal bills for the month of November. November 1st, house payment, November 1st, car payment, November 1st, cell phone bill, business, you know, charity, my tithing check, whatever I pay in November to live personally 
comes out of the profits I made from my October P&L. Does that help, Carlton? So, for example, I need to use, okay, so did I fix that? Yes, okay, explain that better. Okay, so yeah, so your money comes from the business. The profit from the business then goes to the personal, and then you pay the bills for that month. Okay, from Michelle, what is the most liquid and the highest interest yielding place to put your emergency fund? I have no idea. Um, that's probably a great money question for Rick, but I would tell you, I mean, I have mine in a money market account at my bank, my local bank. And, uh, I mean, I don't think anything's wildly crazy, you know, return on your investment uh, as far as sticking money and letting it sit in a savings account. But I would just look around online. Uh, talk to your financial planner, talk to your local bank where they think it's best. You just want it to be liquid if you need to get it, okay? Uh, for Mr. Brian Tash, if you have overage from the recommended float account and you say you should move that over to personal, shouldn't you budget for taxes after moving back to your personal account? Well, guess what? You already pay taxes on that, my friend. Section four, okay? So section four is where you already pay taxes on that income. You just left it in the business account. That's your money. You've already paid taxes on it. So if you ever pull the extra money out of the business to the personal, you've already paid taxes on it in Section 4. Hope that answered your question. All right. Any more questions? All right. So let me give you a ray of hope in case I have given you enough doom and gloom. Um, I love to tell people that this is your freak out form, and it really is. The first time I did it, um, I had no idea that I was spending over $40,000 a month to run my team and my business. And y'all, my team was one person. It was me. Okay? $40,000 a month. I had a moving truck. I had two billboards on the side of the interstate. I had my face on every moving truck or on every uh, pharmacy bag. I had park benches, bus benches, you name it. I didn't know anything different. Okay? I didn't know that there was a better way. And when I came to the court and Rick said, how much money did you make last year? I said, I had no idea because I had not filed my taxes. He said, how much money do you spend on your business? I had no idea because I didn't do a P&L. If I had checks, I had money. And I thought that that's how we ran a real estate company. And what I realized in the next few years following that conversation was I was chasing business instead of attracting it. So we in the court, if you do this P&L and you are freaked out and you are crying and you are on your knees, it's okay. Okay, $40,000 a month before I took home a dime. Why do you think I was in so much debt? My average sales price was $120,000, average commission about three grand a deal, and I'm spending $40,000 in making myself look rich and famous. Painful, okay? So Joe's about to fall out of his chair. He's, he's like, holy cow. It's the truth. I can show you my first P&L. I still have it. Okay, $46,000 is how much I spent in one month when I got back from the tour, my first trip there. Awful, okay? So this form is a form of reckoning, if you will, okay? You figure out where you're spending your money. Then you start tracking your leads to see where you're spending your money. Is it giving you a return on your investment? And if it's not, you got to cut that out, right? So many of us say, oh, I'm going to keep doing my geographic farm because I've always done my geographic farm. And then when I make you start traffic, Tracking how many leads you got from your geographic farm? None. Ever. Why? Do we keep paying it? Well, it's my neighborhood. I've always done it. Stop that. Take $20 and take somebody to lunch that knows, loves, and trusts you, and they'll help you find a referral. So your mindset is you're broken. 
when you do this form, admit it to yourself before you do it, because you are going to freak out if you've never done it. Okay? It's okay. We can fix it. All right. Um, why do you have all of your bills go to your credit card? Easier to track and get points. Yes, yes, and yes. Um, I live in two states, Christy. It's too hard for me to have my mail from Tennessee coming here and my mail from there going here. It's just too confusing. And so I just have everything on auto pay on my credit card. And then I told you I have kids on opposite ends of the world. And so I use my points for Southwest to fly my kids around and need to fly to see my kids. So um, it's just easier for me. I write one check. Actually, I don't even write the check. That's on auto pay too. <laughs> through my bank account. But um, it just makes it easier. So, yes. Um, sorry, I still don't understand how to show my paid taxes and other expenses on my P&L. Okay, so Christy, let me give you a simple answer. If you are taking a $5,000 salary, you don't take home $5,000. The company pays $5,000 because out of that $5,000, they got to pay your taxes, your insurance, and everything. So your take home is less than five, but you're showing the five on the wages. So because that's what your company is paying. They're paying the gross amount. You're taking home the net amount. So show the gross of whatever it cost you for your escort to pay you that salary. The gross salary before including taxes, insurance, everything. That's the number you show under wages. The amount that the check is actually for is going to be what shows up on your personal budget. All right. If you're paying bills out of the business profit, what were you doing with your salary? Not sure I understand that. I'm taking a, a salary out of the business to go home and pay my personal bills. Okay, so I got a salary because I wanted to always know I had enough money to pay my bills, and I can also take the profit out because I've already paid taxes on that. That's my money, too. Okay, so I don't know if that answered your question. If it didn't repost that a little clearer. Um, which personal expenses can we actually pay? Health insurance, cell phone, personal training. Um, yes, yes, I'm sure most, if not all of those, yes, Voltaire, but I would have your tax guy uh, ask him, um, whoever does your taxes, to see what you can actually write off. Um, like I said, the only thing that I ever had the company pay for me was my health insurance. Um, that was a benefit of owning my company. I let the company pay it. But um, I would say some some other insurance, maybe your cell phone. Yes, I would think some of that could also be written off and paid for the for the from the business. Okay. All right. Any more questions? All right. So. I know this is not a hot, sexy topic, and I'm the grandma and the crew here, so uh, if, you know, don't beat me up too bad on my scoring, because this is the freak-out form. Let's see. Some of you look dazed and confused. Okay, how do you set your salary initially? What do you need to live on at home? What do you need to live on? Can you live on five? Can you live on ten? I'll be honest with you. When I left my business, I was taking a $20,000 a year, a $20,000 a month draw. I didn't need 20 to live on it, but I didn't want to leave any, you know, it was easier to take a bigger salary than to take more profit. So you said it. It's, you're the boss. You own Amy Inc. or Jimmy Inc. or Steve Inc. I mean, that's, it's your company. You said it how you want. Okay. All right. We're down to the last five minutes. Any more questions? All right. So how many of you, can you scroll through when I do this question? Keep your hand up. How many of you are not doing a P&L right now? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, so about so all the newbies, all my new folks. Okay, great. Do you guys have any questions? No question is dumb. I know it's a lot. All right, so remember, we are going to pay our bills once a month in our personal business life, right? You're going to do your P&L at the end of the month for the previous month, all the expenses, 
all your income, okay? Pay your bills, reconcile your P&L, take your money home for your personal budget, all right? So you guys, because you've been so awesome and answered, asked a bunch of questions, and you gave me all five, that makes me really, really happy. Um, I won't get in trouble tomorrow. Um, <laughs> I'm going to let you go to break early. We're going to lunch. If you're starving like me, I'm ready for lunch. So go get some lunch. Don't forget our breakout sessions, lunch panels. I hope you guys are having a great experience. Thank you for being here today. I'll see you guys soon. Take care. Bye, guys. You've been listening to the CORE's Sales Training Boot Camp. For registration information about our two-day business building summits, call 1-800-660-6670 or find us on the web at www.